All right, let's bring Schrager in right now. Uh, Pete, what's going on? What's going on, Mike? How are we? Well, we were talking about the fact that the NFL really needs to, uh, you know, get rid of these Thursday night games. I, I think they've oversaturated it. Plus, the players, as you know, a couple of the Bills were talking about last night, really hate the Thursday night games, it, and they're hard on the road teams. That's all there is to it. It's not an easy haul for the for the road team uh, for the for the road teams. It's a very tough, very. It's always been a tough turnaround. It always was on Thanksgiving, but it's a very tough turnaround for the for the road teams. It's a, it's a tough argument to make, though, because week one, we saw the Chiefs go into New England on the road. Week two, we saw the Bengals get upset by the Texans on the road. And week three, we saw the Rams yep. win in San Francisco. So yep. the players are saying it's so hard for the road. And yep, it is. And you get, more, you get a lot of injuries, too. I, and also the ratings is the biggest reason. The, there's an oversaturation in prime time. I mean, I, I would do away if I was the league. And this isn't for you, but this is what we're talking about. I would do away with two out of three nights on, on prime time and go back to having one special night because I think the NFL has finally hit an oversaturation period. And I, I think that's something. Part of it is three nights. I think it's too much. I just think it's too much, and I think it's too much to ask anybody uh, to, to do it. And I think the easy thing, if you want to do, if you're injured about injuries, the easiest thing is take out the Thursday games. That's all. See, I like it, and I know I might be biased because I'm in, in, I'm in the business of talking about it all day long, but I like it, and I think if it's on, people are watching, and it's still one of the highest-rated programs of the week. I know Mark Cuban came out a couple years ago and said the NFL is going to reach a tipping point where yeah, it it's is. oversaturated. And I think it is. I don't see it. I don't see it yet. I think we all, I mean, people found that game last night. It wasn't on CBS. It was on cable, and right. the ratings are good. Well, I mean, the ratings are down it. 15% in two years. That's a lot. That's, that's not a couple of was, points. 15%. You're comparing basic cable, CBS, to no, no, an I'm NFL talking about, I'm not, No, no, no. I'm comparing overall ratings to down 15% yeah, well, in two years. At the whole league, million, I'm not talking about. Different, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a million different factors. It's not I, there there is a lot of factors, but I think they've reached the tipping. And I watch more NFL as much as anybody because you can't watch more. But I, and I just think <laughs> I think three prime times are too many. And I think the problem is if you're going to protect your Sunday, which is still your bread and butter, you're going to protect yeah. your Sunday schedule. You can't give them a great game on each night, on Thursday and Sunday and Monday. It can't be done. I mean, you got to protect your big packages. So with that being the case, it's just a very difficult, very difficult thing to do. Uh, and I, I think it's something they got to look to in the future, but, you know, they'll have to deal with that themselves. But I think they have... I think they have finally reached the tipping point with their oversaturation. I really think it's hurting them. I, I, I think they do. And I go back to when Monday night was big. I mean, Monday night was enormous. I mean, it was special to wait for Monday night. It's not, it's the, you don't get that feeling anymore. At least I Again, don't. I, I don't. You know, I, and I grew up with it where it was ABC, and it was probably a different generation when I yep. grew up with it, but it was still a big deal. It's on ESPN. It's a cable network game now. It's not what it was, but the games also aren't what they were either. They don't give ESPN those premier games. No, anymore, that's either. the problem. They can't do it. You can't give away three games a week. I mean, it's not, it's not, all right, let's get to some football though. Um, uh, <laughs> Cowboys and the Chiefs becomes the premier game, especially now that Elliott's around for another week. So that's, that's, let's talk about that game since it's the big game of the week. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's a thrill, I think. I think the Cowboys have won two straight, but people are wondering whether they beat a, maybe the worst team in the league in the 49ers and a beat up Redskins team or if they're legit. Then you get Zeke, it's, it's like week to week, and now he's playing his best game every week until he's uh, kicked off the field and keeps to, to find another day to get on there. So there's that aspect. There's the Tony Romo aspect, which is fascinating. It's the first time he'll ever be calling a Cowboys game. I know he's at the facility right now meeting with the Cowboys, and you know, that didn't necessarily end the best way everyone could have wanted it to. So there's that angle, and there's the Chiefs angle, who got right. I mean, they won a game that they had to win on Monday night against the Broncos, but there are still a lot of people who are doubting them out there, saying same old Chiefs when the game matters is Alex Smith can be able to go 
into Dallas and lead the team, you know, 80 yards and clutch and get this done. So you know, I don't think it's them. I think I, I mean I don't think the problem is there is their offense and Smith. I think the problem is they're not a good defensive team this year. And I know Bob Sutton a long time. He's a good coach, oh, yeah. but they lost Pony off season. They lost Barry in the first game of the season. That's a lot to take out of their defense. They're the worst team in the league on third down. Uh, they're just not playing what is usually expect from the Chiefs. They're not playing great Chief defense this year. No, and the Raiders exploited them a lot. And Amari Cooper had maybe the best game any receivers had a couple of weeks ago against them. I thought they got right, though, against the bad Broncos offense. And I'm curious to see what they do against Dallas in the national spotlight yet again. I feel like the Chiefs, we know that the NFL schedule makers gave them six primetime games, which is, the most of any team. So the NFL schedule makers went big on Hill and, and Kelsey, and this is the new team we've got to push. But this might be their biggest national market game. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that feels like it's one of those where everyone in America will be on their couch on Sunday watching this one. No, I think it's a good game. I mean, listen, this is a good game. The Chiefs are not a – I mean, they're still not a marquee team to a lot of people. I mean, you have to be kind of an NFL person to know that they have a really good offense this year because they just don't have a lot of pizzazz. You know, you're not bringing in, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You're not bringing in Tom Brady. So from that standpoint, uh, it, it's a uh, – you know, it, it, it's, it hurts a little bit. But I think if you're talking to straight football, it's a good game. And I think the offenses will dominate the game. It'll be, I think that might be a last uh, possession game, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, the league has to deal now with the fact that they're reeling three quarterbacks. And now you got to count Watson as a guy who was captivating his, oh, yeah. his town. You now have luck for the season, Rodgers for the season, and now Watson for the season, not to mention a couple other quarterbacks that have bitten the dust. Uh, that's a, that, that takes a lot out of this league when you lose those kind of players. Sure does. And, you know, this one yesterday felt different. I was at the game, I was at the Jets game yesterday, and I got the text from someone in the Texans organization just said, brutal. But you go around the league, it was like, you know, it happens. We know injuries happen, and they've lost J.J. Watt already, so they know it happens. But this one felt like it had a league-wide effect. Like, everyone was just like, really, can the league catch a break here? Because you lose Beckham, obviously, that's a big premier name. You lose Rodgers, maybe the best player in the game. You lose Edelman, maybe the best uh, you know, wide receiver in New England. And then this one, though, felt like here was the young star that we could at least hold our hang, uh, had our, hang our hat on. Like, this is the guy that's going to ta- tantalize us every weekend. In the last two games that he had, the big one against New England, where they lost, and the big one against Seattle on that 4 o'clock window with everyone watching last week, it was like, all right, here's the next new star. He's fun. He's different. Uh, he's at least someone we can watch. They might not win the games, but he's exciting. And now he's gone. So it's just another blow to the league. And that, that makes that Texans team a lot less fun to watch, and it makes them a lot less relevant when we need relevance right now as an NFL. You need players like Watson. Young it guys. hurts. Whenever you lose the quarterbacks, you know, that's why I always say when people complain and you hear people who are old-time fans or purists talk about, you know, put, don't put the quarterback in a dress. Sure. It, You've got to protect the quarterbacks because the league, when you don't have good quarterback play, is nightmarish, and and that and you see that. I mean, there's no real there's no real excitement now going into Green Bay. I mean, forget Indianapolis; they're a lost franchise right now. So, no. I mean, it's just it's a very tough thing when you take these you know these top quarterbacks out of these teams. It just really it really hurts. It really does. A few years ago, I did a game at the Jets uh, Jets Cardinals, and it was Greg McElroy versus Ryan Lindley. And I always it. point to that. I always point to that game when people say, oh, you know, Joe Flacco, that wasn't even a, a legal hit. Why are they throwing a flag on Kiko Alonso? What's he supposed to do? 
It doesn't matter. Stop. We have subcommittees. We have rule committees. These guys meet all offseason on how to protect the quarterback. Have to. And people say, the quarterback shouldn't be held any different. No, no exactly. Has to be. Is, these are the bread and butter of the league. The That's quarterback, it. All for all, as great as Odell Beckham is, if the Giants lost Eli Manning, it would be ten times a bigger blow from a marketing and from a just value of play-wise to watch that team. That's just what it is. The quarterback held at a different standard. So Deshaun Watson losing him for Houston, as great as J.J. Watt is, and he's a three-time defensive player of the year, this almost feels like it's a bigger blow just because of the ability to watch the Texans. They become a lot less interesting. Uh, the, uh, we're talking about Peter Schrager from Fox. Um, this is a time of year where you start to think about coaches that might be a little bit on the hot seat. The one that I see right now is in Tampa. Dirk Carter, they expected this team to be a lot better than it's been this year. I understand Winston got banged up, uh, but this team has not played well. I mean, it really hasn't. I would think that, that he could be in a little bit of trouble in Tampa. I don't know, because the ownership, they, they pulled the plug quick on Lovey after two years. And they have that, that. They always pull it quick. Uh, you know, that's Shiano, pretty, yeah. they pulled the plug pretty quick on Shiano, and he had a couple good years there, and Raheem Morris had a 10-win season. They got rid of him, so uh, you know, they signed Cutter to an extension when they gave him the head coaching job. I'd be curious to see what this team does in New Orleans this week. New Orleans is red hot. It's in New Orleans, no one's giving the Bucks a shot. They're coming off an embarrassing 17-3 to loss at home to the Panthers. I think a lot of people in that organization are looking at what this team is going to do to respond to that. Now, I, I'm always weary of putting I – don't, I don't know the Glazer family to the point where they would tell me this guy's on the hot seat. It's going to be their decision. I'm always weary of putting a team on the hot seat. Uh, but Mike, you're right. You can kind of smell that, that team's underachieving. I mean, really, when a team un- gets yeah. that Super Bowl hype yep. and then comes out two and six, that's when you start saying, "Okay, well, something happened at the top here." I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat necessarily, but I'd say that it, it behooves him very well if they can start rattling off some victories. Yeah, and I would tell you, uh, you know, I don't know what the GM's thinking in Indianapolis, but this is his chance. If he wants to get rid of Pagano, he can do it this year. I mean, because they're going to have a terrible season. So, I mean, I understand that it's not fair, but if he wants to change, this is the year he can do it. Sure, and, and it's a new GM, you know that. And Ballard yep. comes in, and, uh, you know, the feeling I got when I went and did that Colts game, I was in Indianapolis, when I did that practice and talked to those guys, it was just unfortunate, and I think there's not so much blame going on with the past regime, but the, you know you go through their drafts and it's receiver and it's cornerback and these are the, they, they weren't going to protect Andrew. You had the Golden Goose, maybe the best quarterback prospect in 20 years, and they didn't do their best job to protect him. So I, obviously the blame doesn't lay on Chuck's Chuck's shoulders there. Then again, even when they had Andrew Luck, they missed the playoffs, and then last year they they weren't relevant, and now another year. So you wouldn't blame them for trying to make a change, and surely. You wouldn't blame them if they said, hey, this wasn't Chuck's fault. Let's keep him around. Fascinating game this week that um, really it's an unpredictable game uh, because the teams are just so up and down. And I have to admit, I was on the Falcons big time, and they have disillusioned me for about three weeks now where I just don't think they're, they're, they have anything going at all. Now, they beat the Jets, which they're so much better than. Uh, but uh, they go to Carolina this week. One of these weeks, Atlanta's going to have to step up. Now, maybe they can't do it against Carolina. We'll see. Uh, this is going to be a bad loss for one of these two teams. This is a very big game in terms of where they are in the division, where they are as far as playoff implications. Falcons, and there's a lot of big games in that division this year coming with the Saints and Panthers and Falcons, but Falcons at Panthers this week is a game with a lot of, a lot of playoff implications. It's a great one, and you know I don't know the exact splits, but it's something crazy. When the Panthers have Luke Keekley on the field, they win games. When they do not have him on the field, they lose games. Luke Keekley will be on the field. Um, 
that 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 one there is interesting because I looked back at last year the Falcons nine week or eight weeks through the season were four and three and you know the run they went on yep. eight weeks through the season they're four and three right now so no matter what got them to this point where we can be saying hey the offense looks like it's completely out of sorts and Julio Jones is in a part of the offense which is just crazy they're still at the same point they were last year when they went on this incredible run so you'd like to think Matt Ryan's an MVP and and Julio Jones is the best receiver in the league and these guys figure it out but you and I have spoken about this. Steve Sarkeesian is not Kyle Shanahan. No, they miss and, him, and, and I didn't think they would, and I was wrong. Uh, they they miss him, and they told me, and I know these guys down there pretty well, and they told me that they just can't get the trains running on time, uh, that everything is just off a tick, and it's costing them dearly with turnovers and balls that are deflecting and are intercepted, and they get in the red zone, and they said they just are not hitting big plays. They have not gotten Gabriel in. They have not gotten Julio Jones involved. Last week, they finally got Sanu involved. I mean, they, they just are missing and every game of theirs has come down to the wire except they blew out Green Bay. Every other game has come right down to the wire uh, and they're 4-3 and three, and uh, it just seems like Sarkeesian hasn't fit in right and maybe that's going to change. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it, I think it really was the change that coordinated that really made a big difference and I didn't think it would and it has. And it was an interesting hire because Dan Quinn was familiar with him. Sarkeesian was the head coach up at Washington when Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. But None of the other guys really were. This is kind of like a hired gun, and you had Raheem Morris on staff who had been around, and, and he was willing to, to maybe jump in at the OC, but he hires Sarkeesian. He doesn't really have a history. It's almost like he's a mercenary at this point. It's, okay, we got this guy from Alabama who was with Saban for about a couple weeks. Um, but to me, the interesting point with the, with the Falcons is the Julio Jones factor because he's healthy from everything I hear. His foot is fine. But I look at the numbers. Christian McCaffrey, the rookie running back from the Panthers, has been targeted 70 times, meaning, 70 passes have gone to him. Julio, just 53. So it's, it, they're not even really forcing the ball to him. They're not trying to get him involved. And you can't tell me that it's because the cornerback play has been so good. No cornerback one-on-one can stop Julio Jones. He's that good. No, it, it's it, like I said, the, the, there's just something missing there. They have not gotten it together. We'll see if they can this week in a big game there. So that's another big game. That division is going to be very tricky. Someone's going to get left out. You know, uh, one of those teams, you know, the Saints, the most likely the Saints, the Panthers and the Falcons are all not going to make the playoffs. So somebody's going to get left out there. We'll see what happens. And and that's going to be interesting. The other one is what's going to happen with the, the, the Rams come into New York. And this is an interesting look at the coaches. Here you have the second year coach in New York who won 11 games his first year and is going through a nightmare in year two. And now you have the darling this week, who was on Fox last week, and everybody everybody just absolutely worshipped him on TV last week. He brings his team across the country to take on a giant team that is desperate to have something good happen and is still beat up and is suspending players, and the coach is in, in trouble, and here he is, what it can look like a year later. So you got the hot first-year coach, and you have a beleaguered second-year coach, and you have the two coasts. So this is an interesting uh, look at these two coaches this week. I think you laid it out beautifully there. It's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. This is what your life was uh, last year, Ben McAdoo. This is what your life is this year. You're no longer the darling. And, you know, the thing with the Rams, you're right. McVay did the uh, Sean McVay media tour last week. He was on Fox on both shows. He did the Rich Eisen show in L.A. And he really, they had him out there. Um, this week, though, it's kind of what is this team? Five and two. You already been crowned basically as the Super Bowl champions. And you're the coach of the year. Do you come and pee down your leg when you come to the Big Apple in a game that you should win? Like this is the game that they should win. And how does this young team travel? How does this young coach get them refocused? And from the Giants side of it, I mean, we've been watching this Giants team for how long? Where 
this is the kind of game the Giants win, right? Doesn't it feel like that's the kind of way that the Giants have been the last few years where just when everyone's ready, whether it be Coughlin or McAdoo, to say that, okay, the change needs to be made and there's a complete mess and this is the kind of game the Giants win. I just can't see it happening. I, there, this Janoris Jenkins story smells so foul to me where this is a guy who the Rams basically told, you might be the best player in the world. We don't like having you in the locker room. We don't like having you in the locker room so much that we're not going to pay you and we're going to let you, knowing you're the top cornerback on our team, let you walk and get out of here and we're not even going to try to fight to keep you because of your, 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 you know, your locker room presence and what you bring to the culture. Giants sign him. It goes great the first year. And then this should be a revenge game for this guy. This should be the game that he wants to get back at this team. This is a team that drafted him and said, we're not going to pay you a second contract. And instead, he shows up late coming back from the bye week, and he won't even be playing in it. I mean, that is, won't, won't that be is as embarrassing as yep. it gets. And he left the field early a couple of weeks ago. You had the... You had the Rogers Kamadi thing where he got in a fight with a player because he was taking off his he wanted to take off his uh, shoulder pads at halftime and then had to be dealt with with the coach after that after that game. You have all this stuff going on, and now you get the idea or at least the commentary that oh, now that Beckham's not here, who you never disciplined, now you're going to play tough with these guys, and that's been uh-huh. a prevailing thought here that. They all ran away from ever, and they did. That's that's not an unfair criticism because Tom did it and McAdoo have done it. They've run away from ever doing anything to discipline Beckham, and now they're going to get tough, and now you're hearing grumblings that it's not fair that, that they're doing. He, he became a different guy here now that Beckham's not here. Now, whether that's real or not, we'll see. I'll be interested to see how this team responds. You know Eli will be the same he always is. He always is. You know the defense will try here. Uh, in, in, you know, as Spag's defense will try, whether who, whoever's in the secondary or not, they're going to try. The question is, overall, just the, the other guys, the young players, the guys who have to make a difference here this week, are they going to be there for this coach? We're going to see. It's going to be interesting to see what the giant effort is this week. You know what? They... They did it in Denver, and then they did it against Seattle. They played well against Seattle. No, they've, they've they, play, they haven't laid down this year, to be fair. They not, they, they, they've, the they've made a lot of mistakes, and they've done a lot of things wrong, uh, and they've been, inequ- they've been ineffective in a lot of ways. Bad punts, bad coverage, big mistakes, bad offensive line play. But they have not stopped trying. I, but you have these incidents where, you know, Cromartie didn't want to play. Uh, uh, Jenkins left the field early. You had the stuff where you got players who have clearly needed to be disciplined and weren't. So you wonder if he's got control. I get, and to me, the best, best way you find out if you got control is, let me see how the team plays. Let me see exactly. how they show up and play against this young team that's a little bit of a darling right now. So that's going to be fascinating. It, it, that, that makes this an interesting game to me because you got a coach who's playing for his life right now. And the other side, you got the darling who's coming 3,000 miles. You know, does he get picked off this week? It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, in Giants Stadium where, you know, or MetLife Stadium, whatever they're wanting to call it now, this is one of those moments where the fans can turn quickly if this gets ugly, right? Like if it's 14 nothing in the first quarter, I've seen those games before. Then again, I could see the Giants beating this team. If you told me before the season, even without Beckham, that one team would be one and six, one team would be five and two. You would obviously say the Giants are the team that's five and two. Coming off the bye week, this is where you look in the mirror and say, what are we? What are we as men and what are we as a team? And talking about what are we, what about the Raiders? The Raiders, uh, this, uh, this should not be happening. And this is really an ugly, become an ugly year for this team. I mean, this team has really played badly. Yeah, and, you know, the Marshawn Lynch thing was supposed to be this great homecoming and great story. He gets suspended, misses the week, and 
was filming a reality show playing with high school kids and puts the clip out. I mean, it's a different time. I know it is, but still, it just you start scratching your head and saying, what page is everybody on? And Del Rio, look, for a defensive coach, that defense gets, gets scored all over, uh, you know, and there's a lot of questions right now as to did we hype the Raiders too much? Was last year a fluke? And did did this team get crowned a little too early? It's one of those deals where they didn't win any playoff games last year. They didn't, you know, Derek Carr gets paid this crazy contract that everyone pretty much around the league said, well, yeah, you got to pay him. He's your young quarterback in his free agency year. But they haven't delivered on what I think the promise was for a lot. And you talk about the Giants fans, maybe if they're down 14 nothing, getting a little, huh. What about the Raiders fans? They've already announced they're going to Vegas. What happens the next two years if this is the product they're getting? I mean, and you know, the Dolphins are hard to figure. We know that, but the Raiders, and you know, it's been a long time. The Ra- this used to be a rivalry a long time ago, but it's been a long time since this was a rivalry. I mean, you got to go back a generation before when this was a rivalry, but it's a long time ago. But the Raiders have yeah, been very poor. And Lynch, to me, if it had been an older generation, if this had been uh, somebody years ago in this league, a guy coming off. And doing what he did, and I don't care if he was protecting a buddy or anything. It else. doesn't even when make you sense. hit it when you come off the bench and hit an official. He's lucky he isn't sitting for six weeks. I mean, he really is. I mean that 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 was a ridiculous. That's one of the craziest things, and I was watching it live. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen anybody do in an NFL game. He came off the field and then protected a player on the other team. on the other team. He, he, was, he was protecting his friend on the other team, and he and he said he didn't know it was an official. You grabbed him by the shirt. You didn't know it was an official. I'm not saying that you know. I don't know the intentions and all that, but it's just on the on the pure basics. We know Marshawn's a character, and we know he's beloved by a lot of players in this league. But if you just think about that, this guy ran off the field to protect a player on the other team, and you tell me twenty years ago that this was acceptable oh my behavior. God. In the locker room, that everyone was like, they oh, would cool, go crazy. Guy, Plus, he you know? he went what he did. The official, he looked right at him and threw him. It was so odd. In real time, it was odd. And then I saw the clip again recently, and it still was odd. It didn't. It's it's not like in, you know. Okay, let's give it a week and let's look at this from a different lens. You know, it's still the most bizarre thing that's happened. I, I agree. Season, uh, well, in a weird year. <laughs> he could have gotten six games, and I think it would have been fair. All right, give me. You've been good on the upsets this year. Give me an upset this week. Yeah, I've been picking against the Eagles a whole bunch. I could see the Broncos giving them trouble, but I think the Eagles win the game. But I think that game could be closer than everyone expects. Okay, Denver bounced, but that now that I tell you, Denver's looked lousy the last couple. Terrible. Of weeks. Uh, they had to change quarterbacks. He had to. He had to switch them. He had no choice. You uh, know, we love good. I, I was talking about this on the NFL Network show this morning. We love comeback stories in America, and I'm not saying that Brock Osweiler, everyone's crying for him when you make 18 million this year to be on three teams, but. Isn't it? Wouldn't it just be fitting with the way this league is for like Osweiler to get them hot and get them going, and everyone be like, "Uh oh, you know, that's what everyone expected to be a year ago when he signed for that team." So I'm not a huge Brock Osweiler fan, but I could see him giving Philly uh, at least a game. I think the Eagles win, but if you're asking for what's a good play there, I think that the Broncos are going to be better than people expect. All right, thanks very much. Appreciate it, Peter Schrager you, from Fox. See you. Okay, see you next week. Uh, you see him on Fox every week and on the NFL uh, Network on that. Uh, Early morning show. What do they call? What is that? Good morning. Uh, uh, good morning. Whatever is that the football. name? Football. Good morning. Football. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, every morning on uh, the NFL Network, he's one of the uh, cast of thousands on that show, and uh, so does a good job. A sideline guy. One of the guys who does good work in the in the league now. One of the young guys who does uh, in the league. He's got a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. That's for sure, and not a lot of good teams. And a lot of hurt quarterbacks. Uh, and But this week, a couple of good games, including the Chiefs and the Cowboys, which I'm very interested in. Uh, that should be a fun game this week. Back after this.